That's where we left off last week, so we're going to pick up there this week. And because of this, I rejoice. This is verse 18b. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have my sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two because I desire to, be, to depart and be with Christ which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Really, the, when talking about this, this is a life and death situation. Uh, you know, like I said, Paul's in prison, about to go to trial, could be put to death for his faith, could be freed. But his joy is carrying through the, the theme of this, of this book. In spite of his circumstances, he's continuing to encourage a church in a letter that he's writing. In verse 19, going back there, he says, For I know. This word comes from the Greek, meaning certainty. Not just hope for, but just down in my gut. I know that through your prayers and the provision of the Holy Spirit that what has happened to me, his circumstances, will turn out for my deliverance. Now that word means vindication or even salvation. But I believe in this context that he's talking about vindication from in the trial. So his, But basically he's setting up a win-win here. He's basically saying, if I'm delivered or I'm freed or the shackle's taken off and I'm allowed to walk the streets again, I'll get to be with you guys. But if on the other hand... I'm put to death, I'm freed, and I get to go be with Christ. Your trial, my trial, whatever, whatever the trials may be, if by God's grace and if by His Holy Spirit, um, we can take those trials and, and, and use them to our vindication for our deliverance. Much like our, us, in our trials, Paul didn't really know which way this would go. <clears throat> he may be freed or maybe put to death, but he's setting up that, that, that scenario of deliverance. Have you ever, you've heard, probably heard this before, you don't ever want to fight anybody with nothing to lose when they've got nothing to lose. That's a bad fight to pick. Because, I mean, that, that is a, that's a guy that, you know, is whacked out or whatever. I mean, he's down his luck, and you know that's a that's a tough fight you got on your hands. I think Paul's kind of in this thing. He's like saying, "I got nothing to lose, folks," and he's encouraging this church by saying that. You ever go into a scenario thinking, "What's the worst thing that could happen?" I saw. I I told this story earlier, and then I saw my buddy Alex, and it kind of made me laugh because I'm gonna tell a skiing story, and he's sitting back there with a broke leg. But I guess that's not the worst thing that could happen. Um, Jenny and I, when we were in our, well, this is where I stopped last service too, because I was so, I, 
Yesterday I came to a point I was like, I am old. Did y'all see, y'all saw the headlines, Whitney Houston dead at 48, right? My first thought was, man, first of all, I was like, I can't believe she's that old. And I was like, crap, I'm that old. (laughs) That really bummed me out, but I was sorry to hear that too. So Um, anyway, Jenny and I, and I'm thinking about this because Jenny and I went skiing uh, when we were in our 20s, our kids were small. We left them at the grandparents' house, and we took off for Lake Tahoe. Has anybody been to Lake Tahoe skiing? Heavenly resort, beautiful. Uh, down at the bottom, you can attest to this, there's a gondola, and there's this sheer wall almost of moguls and snow, which is a double black run that gets to the bottom. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Um, I'm going to ski that. And, um Jenny's like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. It says double black, and, you know, you're just almost not as good as me. And anyway, uh, she, she and I had, I had skied a lot growing up as a kid, and then, and then we'd skied a couple of times in college. And so, but when we went to there, it had been a while, so I said, we're going to take a refresher course with, a, with an instructor. And he took us out on the slopes, and we're zipping down, and Jenny's doing her thing, and I'm doing mine. I'm like, so, instructor, Ted was his name. I'm just kidding, I don't know. So, that, la- that run on the bottom of the hill, is that, you think I could do that? He's like, um, you know what, you're a pretty good skier. He goes, but I think I would stick to the top if I was you, the greens maybe, the blues. Um, those are kind of more your speed, but that was not the thing to tell me. Okay, that was a challenge. He didn't know that, but that was a challenge to me. And my wife says, listen, don't do anything stupid like you always do. Don't do anything stupid until the last day. So she gave me an out, until the last day. So last day... Last run, I'm thinking, what's the worst that could happen, right? Um, well, it, it, Alex, I didn't break my leg. but um, So Jenny says, listen, I'm going to go on the gondola down, but I'm going to give you a couple of minutes head start. She said it was five, maybe ten, but I don't believe her. But so, And I go zipping off the thing and whoop, over the edge. And here she comes five minutes later or whatever, and I am sprawled out everywhere. And I have yard sailed everything that I had on hat, skis are gone, poles are missing in action, my fanny pack, anybody wear a fanny, that's a funny word, isn't it, fanny pack, and why do you wear it up here if it's a fanny, well, I guess you should turn it around, but anyway, my fanny pack was splattered everywhere, money on the side of this hill, and uh, here comes the gondola, and I hear my lovely bride saying, get the fanny pack, anyway, I was, you know, what's the worst that could happen, I, I didn't break a leg, but it took me well, she said she was down at the bottom for like an hour or 30 minutes or something. And she said she saw this little kid come down like three or four times. <laughs> Each time she's waiting on me and I never showed. And anyway, she was thinking something bad had happened. But most of the time, our, what, the worst that could happen does turn out pretty bad. But in Paul's mind, his options were limited. They were not that bad. For him, he was saying, A, I could be freed. I could go before this judge and he could free me or... Did I say B already? A, freed. B, they could, they could take my life. But in so doing, I could be with Christ. So, that, you know, that really wasn't his concern. And I think that's, that was an encouragement he was sending to that church. It wasn't his concern. But his main concern of the text, I believe, is in verse 20. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 
Here's a guy who's embracing the joy of his imprisonment because of the prison guard coming to know Christ. He's embracing the joy uh, of a simple uh, action going on inside of a prison cell where other prisoners are probably hearing this and, and, and the prison guard. Um, he wasn't talking to a large church service. He wasn't talking to hundreds or thousands. But he was using where God placed him in his realm of influence and he's using it for God's kingdom. I think too many times we think in terms of the macro and the big picture. When God places us in a small place for a very specific reason, we think macro, we should be thinking micro. And then he addresses the main point. I think the, the first was the, his main concern, but I think the main point of his message is this in verse 21. For me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, for to me, this isn't a just about Paul thing. This isn't just for me. This is for to me. This is like, in my opinion, the church should be about this. This is the way the church should think. To live as Christ, to die as gain. In my opinion, every believer everywhere should believe for to live as Christ, to die as gain. I took the last week or so to ask some friends of mine, um, to fill in the blank. And I, it's, it's your first blank on the outline, but it says, to live is blank. I don't want you to fill that out yet. To live is blank. To die is blank. And I got some pretty interesting responses. I asked an atheist friend who I knew from high school, to live is blank. To die is blank. And he said, to live is life. To die is the end. I'm, uh, I'm going hunt with that guy Friday. I uh, hadn't seen him in 25 years, but we're going to his place. So I, you may hear a report of me holding him at gunpoint. You know, what do you think now, dude? <laughs> so, I, ha I have an agnostic friend who said, "To live is to find something big, something you care about bigger than yourself." To die is to cease to be. And he said, not sure there's much else I can say about death. And I have a universalist friend that I, I've come to know since I moved to Austin. Kind of grabs everything. And I, I said, to, to live is blank, to die is blank. And he said, to live? He said, I can't help but think of the voice of St. Paul. I'm like, okay, good. To live is Christ, to die is gain, honestly. Even though you and I have different definitions of Christ, perhaps. This is a perfect way to say it. That's what he said. And I'm like, definitions of a person. And anyway, I'm like, it's just, you know. Anyway. I, I, I did also ask one guy. This was kind of interesting. I asked a friend who'd died. Who'd flatlined. And they put the paddles to him and brought him back. I asked him what about... That situation. Actually, it's what sparked my whole interest in this whole discussion. But he said, to live is exciting. To die is spectacular. He explained, he gave me details, y'all. Unbelievable. I mean, and words don't describe it. Spectacular was as much as, as simple as he could put it in a word. 
I would submit if I asked Paul those same questions, he would fill in the blanks with what he did in, in verse 21, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And here's why, because when Paul woke up in the morning, Christ. When he ate breakfast, Christ. When he taught, Christ. When he talked with friends, Christ. When he had good times, Christ. When he was in prison, when he was, had bad times, Christ, Christ. Before he fell asleep at night, Christ. I think about that kind of with my, you know, thinking about my own self. Wake up, deadlines. Eat, bills, work, Facebook. <laughs> Talk, football. Good time, Jesus. Bad time, blame it on the circumstances. You know, I, the point that I keep coming back to is here, God did not put us here He's got a bigger plan. He didn't put us here to be rich and comfortable. He wants us to join him in his kingdom work. You know, Paul had this option. He had power. He had wealth. He had fame. He had position. But he chose Christ. He summed it all up with Christ. So, in those blanks, be honest. This is a time, I want you to, you don't even have to write it down. You can think about it. To live is blank. To die is blank. What are those blanks for you? This is kind of subjective this morning. Shane, what'd you put? I'm just kidding. You said anyway. A Christian, a Christian leader. I read about this guy. A Christian leader once took a Russian friend to see a World Series baseball game, and at the end of the game, he asked the Russian what he thought of the game, and the Russian answered that he had never before seen. Such first-class dedication to a secondary cause. And I can relate to this. I mean, that hit me right between the eyes. And Because uh, I'm guilty. Because I want to love Jesus as much as I love football. That is a confession. Because my efforts, the stuff I read, the stuff I go to, the discussions that I have, the tailgating, the cooking, all that stuff. Everything that, I love everything about it. But they would suggest that that's my primary focus. Most of us could be described as having a first class dedication to secondary causes. The problem is, it's not lack of enthusiasm because we get enthused about stuff like that. Pick it. Whatever it is, if it's music for you, you get enthused about stuff like that. If it's family, you get enthused about stuff like that. But I think we're just, we're, we're misappropriating our affections. When I was in ninth grade, I went on a, a weekend trip, uh, uh, a retreat with my youth group. And it was pretty impactful to me. And uh, what I remember about it was a game we played. They huddled us all in a room like this. There may have been a couple hundred like this in this room. And they said, okay, now listen, students, you guys are the church. And we're in wartime Germany. And you're being persecuted. And you're going to scatter. But what I want you to do is when you scatter, I want you to meet up with a couple of friends. I want you to do three things. One is I want you to pray. Two is I want you to, to recite scripture to each other. Scripture you know. And three is... Uh, we want you to sing just a song 
of your choosing. Uh, worship song, preferably. But you guys sing and praise God in that setting. And they had these big, huge guys, adult sponsors, probably like me, scary, uh, that were the Gestapo. Okay? These were the bad guys. You avoided these guys at all costs or else. We, we weren't really sure what the or else was, but it was like you just, whatever it took, you, you know, you avoid these guys, but you meet in secret and you huddle and you pray and you sing. And so they turned us loose. And I met up with a few friends and we started. We prayed, first of all, God, I hope this game means something. And I hope you reveal that to us. Amen. Uh, and then said a few verses and then, and then we started singing. About that time, these huge guys rounded the corner with flashlights and boom, we were, they were all in our face and yelling at us, what are you guys doing? And we're like, nothing. We're, we're just playing dumb, you know? We're just like, nothing, we're not doing anything. What do you think? I mean, of course, you know, they knew what we were doing. But um, so then they decided they're going to separate us. Interrogation move one, separate them. And then they come back together and they start saying, okay, your buddy over there says you guys are worshiping God. What do you say about it? And in the middle of this game, I remember looking up at this guy and going, I don't know what you're talking about. I denied Christ in a gang, friends. They took us back to the headquarters, back in the, the assembly room like this, and they, they uh, I remember walking in the door, and I heard some yelling and some smacking. Go, I mean, they, they weren't beating the guy, but they were trying to intimidate this senior in high school. And I remember hearing them yelling at this kid, and then I, but I remember him singing. He continued to sing as he was being persecuted. And I just wept. It broke me. I was like, oh, in a game? Are you kidding me? It, I mean, I'm willing. Was... Anyway, there's this guy. His name's Yusef Nadarkhani. He's an Iranian Christian pastor. It's his wife, Fatima. They have two boys that are like nine and ten. Uh, Yosef has been in prison since 2009 for apostasy. His crime is turning from Islam to Christianity and running a string of home churches and winning people to Christ. That's his crime. For that, he is awaiting his execution. He stood trial four times. Four times they said, Yusuf, denounce Christ and live. Four times they said, Yusuf, turn back to Islam and live. Four times Yusuf said, no, I'm good. He's remained firm. I look at this picture and I think, that dude right there, I, there's like four stock photos of this guy online. But I like this one. Because he's not just smiling over there. Dude is radiating. And he's happy. I can imagine he's probably talking to one of his kids. Or maybe uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the folks back at the church. And I think he's encouraging them. And he's saying, remain strong. Remain firm in your faith. All is well. Maybe to live as Christ, to die as gain. What I see in his face... I love it. I love it. He, he looks like he, he just loves whoever's on the other end of the phone. He looks like he's just, he's just radiating that. I see Jesus in that. 
So when Paul writes in verse 20, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether it be life or by death. We have a modern day example in Yosef. Here's a guy giving first class dedication to a first class cause or to his primary cause. Our lives should look a lot like Paul's life and Yosef. And I think, I believe our attitude of death should be similar to what theirs is. In verse 22, he says, I'm going to go on living in the body. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that if I will remain, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's saying, if I'm freed, I'm going to get to be with you. And we're going to continue doing God's work and and ministering God's kingdom. But if I die, even better. Looking around this room, I can tell you that death is going to come to 100% of us. It's an absolute. It's as much a part of life as being born is. But for those of us who follow Christ, it's like the ultimate promotion it's not just going in the game it's getting in the pro bowl you know this is the this is the highest ultimate goal to live as christ to die as gain the first time i ever heard this verse i was 21 years old the reason why i remember that is because my mother-in-law had just fallen ill to cancer and uh you know, it was Christmas time, all the, all the family's around, and, and she's trying to put on the, the, fa- the face of, you know, it's going to be all right, kids. It's going to be all right. She fought cancer her hardest, and, but within a few short weeks, she got the, the worst news in the world and said, this is, it, it's over. There's nothing more we can do. And she, she found this verse, maybe for the first time, but it was the first time, like I said, I heard it. And she said, kids, it's going to be all right to live as Christ, to die as gain. To me, I didn't get it. To die, dying is awful. I mean, it's the worst. I didn't get it at all. I was 21 years old. Who thinks about dying when they're 21 years old? I drove up to Starbucks this morning and uh, got my coffee from Cat down in Buda. Everybody give it up for Cat. woo um, and she leaned out the window and she said, hey, will you pray for my daughter? I said, yeah, what's up? She says, she's, she goes, uh, her and her friend, her daughter's 22, her friend's 23. Her friend had a stroke last night at 3 in the morning, and she's on life support right now. And she said, and Kat said, she's having to do grown-up things. And I said, yeah, it sucks. I'll pray for her. So assuming that we filled out the blank with something other than to live as Christ, to die as gain, let's go ahead and put that out to the side, okay? God's not mad at you for putting whatever you put. It's okay. I think it's kind of like a 12-step program. I think admitting is the first step, admitting there's something else there, and then we'll go on from there. But let's talk about what it looks like to live as Christ, okay? I've got these other fill-in-the-blanks, and we'll go through them one by one. Number one, you want to know 
as much of Christ as is possible. You want to know as much of Christ as is possible. This is done with this is done through personal study. This is done guys getting together and just hashing it out, talking about scripture. I can't do this for you. We can't provide a program or a study or anything. You have to want this to live as Christ. Number two is you want to be Christ's image. Number three is you want to share him with other, others. I think those kind of go hand in hand. Being Christ's image to a lost world, being Christ's image good news to people who need good news, no matter what that looks like. We, a lot of you people were, uh, f- were part of Serve Austin Sunday. If you're new to us, that's a time when we close doors of the church and we go be the church. We go be good news out in our communities. And that can look like cleaning, it could look like painting, it could look like re- construction, it could look like turning cheeseburgers for homeless guys down on 7th and Neches. Number four is, and I just put this, you want to hang with Christ. You just want to hang out with Him. Be in His presence. You want to find comfort in Him. There's so many things we, we seek comfort in, but we want to find comfort in Him. And we want to find fulfillment in the journey. Number five is, and this is a whole nother level, you're willing to suffer and die with Him. Are we, a church, are we painting a, a compelling picture? Are people on the outside looking in and going, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That is good news. I would like to be a part of something like that. Are the, are the individuals that he's placed in our lives, are they seeing Jesus in you? Are you Christ's image to them? Since our hearts are still beating, everybody in this room is still alive, and going, Christ has got purpose for us here. That's what Paul said. He says, as long as I'm alive, my purpose will be with you. So as long as we're alive, as long as we're taking in breath, God's got a purpose for us. Christ is, whether we live like it or not, first and foremost... And no desire, no wealth, no ambition, and no status of this world can substitute for that. If you're just visiting with, with ANC this week, or you're new, or whatever, been here a couple of weeks, to our little church, I just want to tell you this. We're a jacked up church. Okay? With jacked up people. And if you're jacked up, you can be jacked up with us. How about that? We're just trying, all we're doing here is we're trying to learn how to live the life Jesus has us live, to love people like he would love them, to be good news, and to bring good news to those who could use it. If you're here today and you're skeptical of church, I know there's got to be somebody. If you're skeptical of church, maybe something's happened in the past, something you're not, you know, anyway. There's that line there. God wants to affirm you, I think, this morning in that skepticism and say, and he wants you to know that that was not him. Okay? Whoever that is, that was not God. 
He remains faithful. He remains worthy of following. He remains the ultimate. Our primary cause. If you filled in that blank this morning with something other than to die is gain, if you filled it to die is scary, if you said to die is the unknown, or you said to die is the end, and you want to have that same assurance that Paul had, that Yusuf has, that I have, and you want to know that this morning, there's a little box on the info card you were taking. I want to learn more about becoming a Christ follower. If that interests you at all, and you want to have a discussion, let's talk. Let's talk this week. Check that little box and say, hey, I want to have coffee. We'll go see Cat. The last blank in there says, if we agree with to live as Christ, to die as gain, then to die means an increase in the life to come. It means an increase of all those things I mentioned before. It means an increase in uh, knowing Christ. Sharing Him, hanging with Him, comforting Him, fulfillment. It remains an increase in all that stuff. Let's pray.